Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a three-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com slash growth track or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. As we start this third weekend of Breakthrough, I want to look at this scripture. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I think it's important for us to remember that we have a very real enemy. We have a very real enemy that he wants to steal, he wants to kill, he wants to destroy your life. But I also love what he said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. He says, all authority, let's say that together, all authority. In heaven and on earth has been given to me. So if Jesus has all authority, how much authority does Satan have? Okay, let's try that again. I know some of y'all are nervous to answer a question in church. But if Jesus has all the authority, how much authority does Satan have? Satan does not have any, any authority. So that means the best that Satan can do in your life is be a squatter. Satan is a squatter and he's really good at it. And there comes a moment, and part of your breakthrough experience has to be that you say to Satan, hey, squatter, your time is up. You don't get to be in my life. You don't get to control this area of my life anymore. See, if Jesus has given us all authority, if Jesus has all authority, and as Christ followers, we have all the authority, that means that there is not a single area of your life that God is not able to reclaim. That there's not a, a single issue in your family or a single issue with your kids that God is not able to bring this breakthrough in your life. You know, I was thinking a lot, again, over the last three weeks, I've been studying, and this week especially, and coming up into this third week, um, this message today probably, for me, hits the closest to home, and it's probably been one of the areas that I, I feel like God has, has, has worked the most in my life. It's been probably one of my greatest struggles, and one of the things that I know about breakthrough is that if you want to experience true breakthrough in your life, you gotta, you got to understand something, that your stronghold in your life, your struggles, your, you, you know the areas that you're praying for a breakthrough, those didn't just start yesterday. It didn't just start last week, and it didn't just start last month. It, it's, it has a beginning, it has an origin where it started, and you got to go back to where it started to figure out what happened. And as you go back to the beginning, and again, isn't it true that a lot of us, we look at some of the things that happened to us as kids, 
I know for a lot of us it's maybe a little bit painful, but maybe it was a, a word that a coach said to you, or maybe it was a word that your dad said to you, or your mom said something to you, or like, nobody likes you. Maybe it was in middle school, and, and somebody said something to you, and, and as a little girl, it was crushing, and it, it began something in your life. It started... There, there was something that happened in your life, and we all have these, these painful moments and circumstances that, that the enemy takes those moments, those circumstances in our life, and then he begins to build on that. Because, see, his goal is to destroy your life. He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And let me just say this to you, those of you that are, are students in here, and I know, man, I love this about Creekwood, is we have, let me just say this to you, we have an amazing student ministries. On Wednesday nights, there's over 200 students in this place. Is that not incredible? But I want to say this to the students that are here this morning, is that don't think the enemy is not paying attention to you right now. In fact, the enemy is paying more attention to you right now because you're in some formative years that he's trying to get a foothold in your life because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But you got to go back to the beginning. And isn't it true that sometimes things happen that we don't really deal with it, we don't process it right, and we just kind of move on in our life? And now we have the, the result of it. And I, I was thinking about this specifically in, in this illustration is, let me ask you, how many of you love to snow ski? Raise your hand. All the, the, the athletic people that love to snow ski. Like, I don't know how to snow ski. In fact, I'm horrible at it. But I want you to know something. I took students on ski trips for 16 years. Every year I would take the youth group skiing and sometimes had up to 150 kids. And I, man, I could look like a skier. Like I'd tell my wife, like, babe, I like my ski outfit's getting a little old. I need like the, the coolest outfit. Like, then I had it. I would walk around with, you know, your boots that you didn't attach them and you're a clonk, clonk, clonk around everywhere. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm like, man, it's awesome, going to be awesome on the slopes. And the kids would, we would get out there, and the kids would, like, come down for lunch, and they'd say, Pastor Stephen, man, we look for you everywhere. <laughs> and I'd say, it's so awesome up there, isn't it? But I wasn't going up there. And I, we'd eat lunch, and we're like, man, let's go up there. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go up there. And I would go up there, but I would go with people that I didn't know. I'd get on those chairs. Aren't those chairs scary? <laughs> I'd get on those chairs, and I would go up with people, and I didn't know how to get off, and when I would get off, I'd make everybody fall. <laughs> people were like, who is that idiot that doesn't know how to ski? I couldn't do it in like 16 years. I'm ashamed to tell you, I did not learn how to ski. I'd once in a while go up and like, I would like, man, let's go up. We're going to go down the blacks. And I was like clueless. And I would always say, yeah, man, let's race down to the bottom. And they'd go, they'd take off. And I would like, go all the way down. <laughs> take me three hours to get to the bottom. And it wasn't until a couple years ago that our, there were some men in our, in our church that we decided we were going to go skiing. And there was about 10 of us. And we, we went, and I, I decided to be 
honest and real, and I was like, man, I don't know how to ski. And they're like, what? And I said, I don't. I'm, I'm taking ski. I'm going to ski school. Pastor Brad, he's an awesome skier. Pastor Keith, y'all remember Pastor Keith? He's so cocky when it comes to sports because he's so good. And I was over there with all, like, I was the only adult with all these little kids, and I've got, we're holding on to the rope, and I'm concentrating. I'm, I'm just telling y'all. Pastor Brad, Keith, bunch of guys come up, and they see us over on the bunny slopes over there with our little ski school. We were learning. We were in the zone. They come up flying and spray all of the snow on us. We all fall. And our, our ski instructor's like, who are those guys? We're going to get them kicked off. And I'm like, didn't dare tell them. I knew who they were. I'm like, who are those jerks too? I don't know who they are. <laughs> but isn't it true that we have moments that we just kind of go through them and we don't deal with it. We just kind of keep going along. And every once in a while, you come to a moment that you got to face the reality. And part of you experiencing breakthrough is that you got to you got to face reality of, you got to go back to some of those moments that are so painful for you. See, the enemy uses those things and he begins to create what I call his greatest weapon in your life, and that is fear. And I'm going to talk about fear today because I believe that the greatest breakthrough you can experience is it has to do with fear. Do you know that Jesus talked more about fear? Then he talked about heaven and hell combined. And I know some of you are like, Pastor Stephen, like, I didn't come to church today to talk about being scared of, fearful of spiders or fearful of my mother-in-law, which you ought to be fearful of your mother-in-law. I'm talking about grown-up fears. And the Bible's full of it. Jesus talked a lot about it. And why did he talk so much about it? Do you know that God does not give us fears? That it's the enemy that gives us fears? The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, if you want to turn over there. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It says, for not, God has not given us a spirit of fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. He calls fear a spirit. A spirit of fear. It means that there is a spirit of fear that makes the fear in your life not a natural issue. It's not a circumstantial issue. It is, it is a spiritual issue, the spirit of fear. And again, I want to show you how the enemy works with this. See, some of the grown-up fears you start to talk about are fear of loss. There's fear of rejection. There's fear of failure. There's fear of the unknown. And, and all of us have these. You just don't really recognize where it came from. But I want to show you this because you take, for example, fear of rejection, and this is a big one. When, when, when someone, someone, let's say you go back and you, if fear of rejection is, is, is 
is one of your greatest fears in your life. And you go back and you say, you know what? It was that moment people said things about me and, and it started defining you. And, and ladies, you know, you go into a marriage or men, men and ladies both, that you go into a marriage and your marriage is not based on love and honor. It's based on this neediness. It's based on this desire to, will somebody just love me? This is why you go crazy when your spouse doesn't pay attention to every detail that you're telling them. Because you just need somebody to love you. It's the fear of rejection. And listen to me, you may think it's a marriage problem, but you got to go back and figure out when did this start for you? Some of you, it started really young. And again, students, listen to me. I'm begging you to pay attention right now because the enemy is trying. Do you know that, that the spirit of fear is a criminal spirit? Fear is a criminal spirit. Why do I call it a criminal spirit? It's because it's trying to destroy your life. Some of you right here that are adults, you remember back when it started really young with you, and, and by the time you got in high school, it was already really, really like a stronghold in your life. It's why you were 15 years old, and you said, I want to be a virgin when I get married. And you swore up and down that you were going to be a virgin when you got married. And the first boy that came along that said they liked you, you got in the back seat and had sex with them. You don't even remember their name or but you were just looking for somebody to like you. It's why you look at even the anger we experience in our life, and, and there's so much, you, you talk about the fear of failure, and, and somebody said, you're, you're never gonna amount to anything, you're a loser. You know, I don't know what, what it was, people just weren't politically correct back in the day. They weren't trying to, like, talk to you about your feelings. <laughs> Some of you grew up like that. And you can remember to this day, or, or maybe you grew up in a home where, where, where you were embarrassed of what was going on in your parent, with your parents or your dad's job or whatever. I don't know. But somewhere along the line, you begin to, to allow the enemy to start building on this, and he is the father of lies. And he brings this fear and he starts to build on it and he starts to anchor it inside of your life and it gets to a place that you start to allow the fear, to, this fear and the spirit of fear that begins to push against your own sense of self. And again, I don't know what it is. But if you want to experience the breakthrough, you got, this isn't just about you saying, well, you know, this is just a struggle. Go back. You got to go back and find, do the work to get back to what it is where it started. Again, this has been a big deal for me in my life. A lot of you guys have heard me talk about my struggle with anxiety and panic attacks and the first 16 years as a youth pastor, the only person on the planet that knew that I had panic attacks as a, as a pastor, youth pastor, and I struggled with anxiety was my wife. When we started the church, it didn't go away. 
I tried really hard to keep it a secret, but it just got worse and worse. And there were moments that my wife would say to me, do I need to take you to the hospital? Because my panic attacks were so bad. I broke down and went to counseling. I know some of you are like, man, I don't know about this church. I'm not going to a church that my pastor goes to counseling. Like he's more jacked up than I am. And I will tell you, I am more jacked up than you are. And the good news, there's a positive to this. Listen, I'm very qualified to help you. Because I got a lot of problems. I know some of, you, or some of you are used to your pastor acting like they don't have problems. And I know, listen, a lot of us have been to those churches where the pastor acts like he's perfect. And let me tell you, there's nobody that's perfect. And I broke down and went to counseling and my therapist started really working with me on this and it was painful. I'm just telling you it was painful and started walking me through some doors that I didn't want to go through. And there were, there were moments I couldn't understand why I was crying so bad and I couldn't hardly breathe I was crying so bad. And the, my therapist is a Christian counselor was telling me, you need to walk through this door with me and we're going to look at it. And I can tell you to, to this day, the moment I walked in a room and I started to remember my mom's words. My mom saying, I'm leaving. I can remember it like it was yesterday when my mom started packing her bags. My mom threatening my dad that she was going to leave. And listen, it wasn't hard. It was not easy being in the ministry. My parents were pioneering in a mining town. Nobody wanted to be there, and my mom was miserable. And I, I could not count how many times my mom threatened my dad that she was leaving, and she was packing her. She would actually get the big suitcases out and start packing. And I would find myself going into this mode of, I got to do everything I can to make mom stay. I'm going to be good and I'm going to run in and I'm, mom, like, like I tried everything I could. And the enemy grabbed a hold of that in my life and began to create this fear of loss. Listen, having a fear of loss and trying to pastor a church is tough because people will leave. You know that some people ought to leave? <laughs> Those of you that have been in the ministry know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, what? I don't know. But there are people out there that, listen, they're not interested in going to a healthy church. They're just looking for a church that's going to make them happy, and they're going to come in and try to destroy. And this is why there's a lot of little churches. There's some family in there that's dominating everything. And I, that's another sermon. But it's brutal being a pastor and you got the spirit, like this, this fear of loss and, and somebody, they got to move to Houston, but you're taking it personal. And you're crushed that they're leaving. And, and, and I'm just telling you, and, and, and like, like, do you know that, that, that I'm just one sermon away from you not liking me? 
One week I can preach this great sermon, and the next week y'all are like, I don't know if he, like, what's he talking about? We don't know. And the enemy will take that and this fear of like, like oh, I've got to get up and I've got to preach. Like, like my anxiety just goes through the roof because I'm like, babe, I've got like, to like study a billion hours because I've got to preach this sermon on my life. And I had to walk through that door and I had to face that moment as a kid and allow God to begin his healing in my life. See, your fear will take you somewhere. Listen, I I want you to really listen because this is really important. Your circumstances that happen, the pain that's happened, the enemy will use the fear of that happening again or or the fear of, of, of what's happened will use that to drive you somewhere. The Bible's full of those moments. And I was looking up what people did with their fear in the, in the Bible, and one of the things that I found that was really interesting is that in the Bible you begin to read, and, and it, it starts back in Genesis, you begin to read that, that people that experienced traumatic circumstances, their fear drove them to go get in a cave. And the very first instance is found in Genesis chapter 19, verse 30. It's the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And you need to go read that story. It's a powerful story. But Lot came out of that whole situation and doubting in God, all this kind of stuff. And what did Lot do? He went and got in a cave and got drunk. I want to ask you this question. What are you doing in your cave? (laughs) You're like, what are we talking about today? I know you got a man cave. Listen, I'm not talking about a physical cave. I'm talking about your emotional cave. What are you doing in that cave? Some of us, man, drinking. It, like, I, I, listen, I, I'm not an expert in, in alcohol like my mother-in-law is. <laughs> She's the expert in it. But do you know that a lot of us are, are medicating our lives? What we're doing in our cave, uh, it's, it's, it's alcohol. It's, it's, it's what's numbing us. What are you doing in your cave? Because it's what's creating the stronghold. You, you can go on to Joshua chapter 10 again, and you don't have to turn there. The, the references, maybe you can write these down and go back and look at these later. But there were five kings that they ran and hid in a cave. There's another story about hiding in a cave. And Joshua found, Joshua was an enemy of these, these kings, but they, they ran there because of fear. And what did, what did Joshua do? Joshua put a big giant stone in front of that cave. And all of a sudden, this cave that they were using to hide became a prison. Do you know that the enemy will use the cave that you thought you were going to hide? And, you know, it all started kind of innocent for you. But now what your stronghold, this area that is controlling you in your life, whatever addiction it is, and we all cope with different ways, it becomes a prison for you. My anxiety and my panic attacks, it was a secret prison for me. 
that the enemy was using to torment me. I think of Moses. Do you know that Moses had a great calling on his life and God had a purpose? And listen to me, do you know that God has a purpose for your life? You're not just on this planet just to suck air. You're not just here to, to just get by. God has a purpose for your life. God had a purpose for Moses, and God was calling Moses to go do something so powerful, and Moses knew he had a calling, and he made this grave mistake one day out of anger. He killed an Egyptian, and what the Bible tells us that he, he ran off into the wilderness and hid in a cave, and he had a call on his life. And I think one of the saddest things it says in Exodus chapter 2, verse 21, it says, Moses was content to hide. And I think the word content ought to be a cuss word for us. Because too many of us are getting in a place that we are content with just living with these fears in our life. God's got a calling on your life, and you listen to us talk about life groups, for example, and man, life groups are powerful. It's where life change happens, and, and, and people go, listen, you know what the beauty of life groups are, is? You can be having horrible marriage problems. You go to a life group, sit around a few minutes at a marriage, life groups, you're going to feel really good. Because everybody else is going to start sharing their problems, and you are going to go, man, I feel so good. These people are more messed up than I am. <laughs> you're going to get in the car. Men are going to get in the car. You're going to kind of be cocky. You're going to go, babe, look, see, I'm, I'm a pretty good man. That's the beauty of life groups. But some of you, listen to me, you've been sitting in life groups, sitting in life groups, sitting in life groups, and you got every excuse in the book for not leading a life group. God's blessed you with an incredible house. He's blessed you with all these things. And, and you were like, well, if this one more thing. Listen, just call it what it is. It's, it's a deep-seated fear in your life that's keeping you from leading. And God will use your story. You don't have to be some Bible scholar to lead a life group. God will use your story. But listen to me, the enemy is going to, to try to sabotage that, that, that fear. It is a criminal spirit. Students, listen to me. The enemy is trying to, to get a strong foothold in your life so that you will carry this the rest of your life. See, what's got to begin to happen, and listen to me, what's got to begin to happen is you got to start starving the fear. You got to go where your fear doesn't want to go. You got to let your faith take you to a place that your fear doesn't want to go. And this is tough. But you start going where your fear doesn't want to go in your life and you allow God See, do you know that there is an expiration to opportunity? Parents, listen to me. There is an expiration to the opportunities in your life. Your son and your daughter will not be 10 forever. Your son, your daughter will not be 16 forever. The enemy 
will try to convince you that you don't need to fight this battle. The enemy is going to try to convince you that you don't need to fight this battle. And what he wants to do is he wants to convince you that you don't need to fight it because if you don't, like, you don't deal with it. But listen to me. If you don't fight it, your kids are going to have to fight it one day because you're going to wake up and you're going to see your kids with the same exact struggle if you don't fight it. This is why you got to bow up and do the hard work. I don't know if it's going to counseling. I don't know what it is. For some of you, listen to me, what you need more than anything else is just to get to a place that you admit, that you say, man, I can go back to that moment. This is what is, has been sabotaging my life. It was that abuse. was those words it was that moment oh God would you cause all of us to stand up would we bow up to the enemy and say you are not going to destroy my life would we bow up to the enemy and say, not one more moment are you going to allow this fear that you have tried to nurture in my life. It is not going to destroy me. For some of you, maybe it's a conversation with somebody from your past. But listen to me, the most powerful thing that you can do is get in the presence of God. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with righteous right hand. It's God. See, Luke 10.19 says, Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. I want to pray for you this morning and so I don't know what kind of cave you're in today. But whatever cave you're in, I want you to hear me. The power that we have as Christ followers is that Jesus Christ did not stay in the cave. He got up out of that cave and we have the same power that rose him from the dead to raise up whatever issue in your life and heal you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for every person here today, God. I thank you for the way that you love us. and God, the way that you care about us. Lord, I pray that we would see what the enemy is trying to do in our life and for what it is. And God, not allow him to steal or rob one more day of our life. Lord, I know that in this room and the size of this, this many people, there are people here that have such deep pains. Lord, we're believing for true breakthroughs. God, we're not just asking for just another little cute little habit. God, we want life-changing breakthroughs. 
Father, I pray that, Lord, you would bring about these, these breakthroughs in our life, God. Give us the boldness, God. Give us the courage to walk back to those moments in our life and allow you to bring true healing in our life. We thank you for this. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.